Welcome everyone. You're listening to The River Podcast, where you can find messages to help you strengthen your walk with Christ and refresh your soul. Here's our message from this past week. Give it up. Come on. That's good enough for me. Can you give it up for Jesus? Is that all right? No, you got to give it up for Jesus. You got to do it for at least five seconds if that's okay. So excited to be here. Natasha, I almost cried when you said that. Because true story, I feel like I'm, I'm just with family today. And it's funny because I was up here and I was just, I had my eyes closed. And as you were literally singing, I, I got flashbacks from when your mom was singing. And uh, I love, I love Church of All Nations. I love the people of all nations. I love Pastor Mark Boyking and, and Miss Beth. I love Pastor Jen and John Luke. I love this church and I love you. Come on, can you honor all of your leaders? Can you honor your church? I'm grateful to be here today. And... Uh, I, I'm excited to bring God's word to you today, and there's just a lot of things in my heart uh, in regards to everything you're going through and, and the transition periods of not just your church or not just the body of Christ, but really the world. I think our world is in a, such an interesting season, and, and if I can just, just jump on to preaching, and uh, my name is Bennett, and I'm your friend. Are you glad to be in church today? Yes. You got a Bible? Yes. No? Yes? Okay. I love the worship of this house, and I love that so many of you got to grow up. Sabrina. I got, I got baptized at Sabrina's house, y'all. You know what I'm saying? Anna and her family helped my dad start the church. I know you guys since I was like 1999. I literally feel like I'm at home, you know what I mean? And Anne Marie. I mean, come on. You guys got the best band ever, you know? And Don't go too far. I've been preaching here since like 2016, so I had to like, you know, not make sure I wasn't preaching anything I already preached. I think I still am. Whatever, it doesn't matter, you know. And uh, I'm excited nevertheless. But, um, you know, what's been in my heart, especially this week as I reflected on our church right now is in a building project. So y'all pray for Oceanside Church and general contractors. I don't know if they're from heaven or from hell. Pray for me, you know what I'm saying? I'm just kidding. And uh uh, yeah, patience is a virtue, and I guess I don't have it, you know, but nevertheless. But, you know, so much of the body of Christ is in this transition phase. So much of the world is in a transition phase between, obviously, pre-pandemic and post-pandemic. Is the pandemic over? Is the pandemic still on? What's church all about? Is there a, a you know... What are Christians doing in church? Are they active? Are they not really active? Do I serve? Do I not serve? And the truth of the matter is that if you believe that Jesus is going to come back, anyone do? So often we look for the negative signs. But when I read the Bible and when I read Acts chapter 2, I see that at the end of days, as as Jesus prepares to come back, there's going to be a supernatural outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the church. I believe that there is an awakening on the horizon. I believe that there's revival on the horizon. I believe that salvation is going to break forth in our great city of Boca. I believe there's going to be a tipping point where Boca Raton will be known as a place full of incredible churches where there is hope for the broken, where there is supernatural healing for the sick. When I believe that, it's going to be a city of salvation but the reality is before revival can break out revival first has to break in and that's not what I'm preaching about but that's my heart tonight and uh, I know it's an intimate group today I know it's not the compel night and the the, you know we're busting through the seams at faith chapel is it still called faith chapel but the truth of the matter is I believe that revival can break within before it breaks without and as followers of Jesus as leaders in the local church It's our job to continually open up our hearts 
And say, Holy Spirit, revive me and let revival break forth out of me. And that's my prayer for you today. Does that sound good? Can you give Jesus some praise again? You ought to get a little rowdy today. But I want to read to you uh, Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. If you grew up in church, you, you know this. And I want to read to you just the conclusion of a, uh, the fifth, I believe it's the fifth event of this um, or setting, if you will. What does Shakespeare call his light? Whatever, never mind. What? The parts. Acts. Acts number five. It's Acts number 16, but it's Act number five in, you know, uh, Acts 16, all right? And it says this, starting in verse 29. I'm going to read it from the screens. By the way, can you shout out everybody tuning in on the podcast? Everybody tuning in on YouTube. Hey, I'm glad that you're tuning in. I'm glad you're listening, but it's better in the room. So I'll see you next week, all right? And if you don't like my preaching, next week's going to be better anyway. So come back, all right? But Acts chapter 16, verse 29 says, And the jailer called for lights. Somebody say called for lights. You ought to underline that because that was a natural thing. But it was happening in the supernatural. He was calling for the light of Jesus to shine upon his heart. And it says, and, 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 and they rushed and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And he asked the single greatest, most important question that you can possibly ask. By the way, if you're new in here today, we're so glad you're here. If you're figuring out your faith, this is by far life's big question. You ready for it? Verse 30. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in the house. And he took them that same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and his family then he brought them up into the house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with the entire household that he had believed in God. I love that because uh, my Bible says that he brought out Brazilian food. <laughs> if you don't know, you better ask somebody. You know what I'm saying? It was shuhasku, It was coxinha. Some of you are like, speak English. I can't, you know. If you don't know, there's a lot of Brazilians in here. But today I want to preach to you a message. And my non-youthy title is Spiritually Attractive spiritually attractive. Um, that's a cool graphic. And uh, if I was preaching at Legacy, this message, I would call it um, Holy Pants. Holy Pants. As a matter of fact, let's extend it. Holy Pants or Holy Living. You, that's kind of corny, but Holy Pants, Holy Pants. So if you do take notes, and by the way, I hope that you're all taking notes in here. If you don't, I'm judging you, Eric, Sam. <laughs> You can title it Holy Pants or Spiritually Attractive, whatever you like. But can we pray and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us? Is that all right? Holy Spirit, we thank you, Jesus, that your presence is in this place. God, we know because your word promises us that you inhabit the praises of your people. And today, Father, we are here to praise your glorious, wonderful, beautiful, powerful name. Father, for the next few moments, may I decrease as you increase. May every single word that is uttered through the sound wave of these, the, of these speakers, I pray they'll be completely and entirely inspired by you, Father. Take over. I pray that you would completely do something special in our hearts. May we leave transformed. May we leave refreshed. May we leave renewed. May we leave changed challenged with a Holy Spirit unction to be the hands and feet in this broken world. God, we are desperate for your presence to do what only you can do. And while we are at it, we lift up the Miami Dolphins in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, come on, all of God's people said, come on, can you just give Jesus one more round of applause like you know he's good, like he's done a million little miracles in your life. 
Um, I guess let's just start off with this dumb little story. Um, where the Brazilians at? Just checking. All right. I, I promise I'm not that proud of a Brazilian. Who's not Brazilian in here? Okay, that's fine. It's about 50-50, you know? And uh, so in 2004, my life was radically transformed. Um, in particularly due to because of a show that came out on MTV. Now, time out. I'm like ultra, like, like Natasha told you, I'm a pastor's kid. I wasn't even allowed to watch MTV. You know what I'm saying? I had to sneak that bad boy in, you know? And, um, and uh, a show came out on MTV that literally transformed all that I was. And uh, it's a show called Laguna Beach. How many of you do not know what Laguna Beach is? Oh my gosh, you know what I'm saying? You gotta go Google it tonight. Oh my gosh, shell necklaces, California, surfs up, dude, boot-cut jeans. It was like pre-Hollister. Y'all don't even, you know what I'm saying? It was like before Hollister was cool. You know, the, 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 the sandals and surfing and, and shaggy hair and blonde sand. You know, you get the whole California Laguna Beach scene, you know what I mean? And Laguna Beach was a reality show, and it was basically a show about all these really cool, really rich Californian high school kids, and they just had the best life. It never showed them going to school, you know? never showed them doing homework. All it showed is them riding in their parents' like Mercedes and their parents going on vacation and them having the house to themselves and throwing house parties. You know what I'm saying? Come on, somebody. That's like incredible, you know? So I came to the conclusion that that's what all Californians do. So me being Brazilian, I'm like, Brazilians aren't that cool. This is, I was having an identity crisis. And um, so I literally did everything in my power to transform my Brazilianness into a Californianess. At the time, I was wearing FUBU and Fat Farm. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Sean John? You don't know, right? You got to go Google all of this stuff. Basically, I was a size 20 and I wore a size 32. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I was probably like a youth medium, but I wore uh, an adult medium. You know what I'm saying? My, and I thought I was, you know, peace out, homie. To which I was like, Mom, let's go to Hollister today. Boot-cut jeans, polo with a collar popped, shell necklace, sandals. I'm from California. You know what I'm saying? I just, I was willing to do whatever it took. Dumb little story. I don't know, I'm lingering. But the truth is, I went to a school. Uh, I went from this super preppy private school where I didn't do very well. My dad's like, I'm not paying for private school anymore. Put me in a public school. And I had this ambition and this goal and this determination that I was going to lie to my entire high school that I was not Brazilian, but I was from California. Lo and behold, I go to the school, and the problem was I went to a school where probably 88% of the school was Brazilian. It's called Monarch High School in 2011, or 2007, you know what I'm saying? Eight. It was awful, you know what I mean? I literally walked into the first day of school. I had my polo on, my boot-cut jeans, and my shell necklace, and this dude was like, in Portuguese, what's up, Ben? It's been so long. I'm like, who are you? I do not speak whatever you're speaking I knew that kid sounds like four, you know what I'm saying? But I, 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 I look back at the story, and I'm sorry that I'm lingering, but I, 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 I'm so, I so cringe because it was so dumb. But the truth of the matter is I was so willing to do whatever it took to be known as something, to be portrayed as something, to be attracted for something that I was not. I wanted everybody to look at me and wanted to, to, to be attracted by me because I wore something. I was from somewhere. I did certain things a certain way. And, and now I examine the landscape of the world. And the world is so broken. And the world is so lost. And the world is so hungry and desperate and fearful and confused. And like no answers to be found. And the truth of the matter is in days where the world is spiritually 
searching. The world needs a spiritually attractive church. If, I, if you don't get anything else out of this message, I don't even know if it's my, it's my thesis. A spiritually searching world desperately needs a spiritually attractive church. A church that is willing, here it is, to do whatever it takes to be attractive to lost and broken people. And the truth of the matter is when I became a youth pastor and I got into ministry in 2012, 2013, I thought that like the essence of attracting a lost person to Jesus was um, not bootcut jeans, but skinny jeans with holes on them. As a matter of fact, I worked for my dad, and my dad is like a Pentecostal, like suited and booted, like it is a sin. You're going to hell if you don't wear a suit and tie to church kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? I was like, Dad, you don't understand. You can't reach lost people with a suit and a tie. You got to have skinny jeans, bro. I was like, Mom, take all of my bootcut jeans, my straight whatever leg jeans, and I want you to make them all skinny. My mom sews, and I want you to make holes on the knees. She's like, really? Mom. I'm going to be a youth pastor. I got to be relevant. I got to attract people. And shout out to skinny jeans and shout out to being cool and being hip and being this and being that. But the truth of the matter is holy pants never actually was spiritually attractive. But a holy set apart life is what lures a lost, dying, confused, broken, spiritually bankrupt world to the love of Jesus. It's then when they see your difference and they see what it is about you, eventually they're going to say it's not your genes, it's not this, it's not that. What is it inside of you? And you can say, you know what, I am set apart because of the blood of Jesus. I'm set apart because of the Holy Spirit that I have given authority over my life. It's not holy pants, it's a holy life. And today we find ourselves in this beautiful passage of scripture that if you've been in church long enough, perhaps you know it. Perhaps it's, it's usually preached during a worship night. Acts chapter 16, if you're new to the faith, it's this account of the life of a man named Paul. Paul wrote about 13, maybe 14 books in the New Testament. He is a legend in the faith. And what's interesting about Acts chapter 16 is that it is a act, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a collection of stories of a man or a few men that were so spiritually attractive in the midst of a spiritually searching culture. But before I get into some practical handles that you can literally apply as you walk out of the store, I got to just show you a few passages. Is that all right? I'm kind of like geeked out in this passage right now. So like, you mind if I just teach you a little bit? Is that cool? It says 16 minutes on that clock. Ooh, can I do it? No. Anyone got to go home after this? I'm just kidding. But the first thing that happens is that Paul is getting ready to go on this missionary journey to what is known as modern-day Turkey this day and age. It's Asia Minor. It was, actually, it, eventually he's going to end up in a place called Mesopotamia. And uh, the Bible tells us that he goes into this town and people start talking to him about this young leader named Timothy. We don't know much about Timothy other than the fact that his mama was a Messianic Jew, that just means she was Jewish, but now she believes in Jesus Christ, Yeshua, kind of like the church that rents here, Shalom Boca, Messianic Jew, and his daddy was ratchet in Greek. Anyone got a mom that's righteous and a dad that's ratchet? Don't raise your hand. Oh, my gosh, don't raise your hand. I'm just kidding. We'll pray for your dad after, you know, and uh, it's all right. We love you. I love you. It's all right. Mommy was righteous. Mama was ra righteous and, and daddy was ratchet, and, so, and people have been talking about young Timmy. I called Timmy. 
And uh, Timothy was, was a great guy. So Paul said, hey, Tim, why don't, you, uh, why don't you follow me on this missionary journey? We're going to preach the gospel. We're going to see revival. As a matter of fact, we're going to do things that no eye has seen, no ear has heard. It's going to be profound what we're going to do. Timothy's like, sign me up. What do I got to do? He goes, well, you got to be relevant. So what do I do? Do I have to go to um, uh, H&M, Forever 21, Urban Outfitters? What else is trendy? Zara, ASOS, and buy skinny jeans. And Paul said, nah, bro, I got you. And he pulls out a knife. Wait, to be relevant, I need a knife? Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, we're outside. It's public. Let's go inside real quick because I got I to gotta make you relevant. I got to make you spiritually attractive. Paul, what are you doing? You're scaring me. I got to circumcise you, bro. What? <laughs> the skinny jeans of that day and age, it was circumcision. You don't believe me? Just go read Acts 16 for yourself. And he said, Timothy, I got to circumcise you because the whole entire town knows. And we're trying to preach this message too in synagogues, Jewish people, and to them for you to be saved, for you to even be welcomed in the platform of a synagogue, you have to be circumcised. And the issue is that your mama is Jewish, but your daddy is Greek and your dad chose not to circumcise you. So the moment we get into a platform, the moment we get into church, all they're going to be seeing is the thing that your dad did not do to you. And essentially every time you get up and you attempt to preach Jesus and you attempt to preach that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that he came, he died, and he rose again, they are not even going to hear you. They're going to be like, la, 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 because they're going to be so distracted by the fact that you are a Jewish boy that is not circumcised. The truth of the matter is we're going there to tell them that they don't need to be circumcised to be saved, but if you're not circumcised, they're not even going to hear you. So, Timmy, we have to remove this potential hindrance. That's the first thing that you've got to understand today. What are you willing to do to remove the barriers that stand as potential hindrances between you and lost people? The truth of the matter is today I prayed. I was on my knees in my office. I said, God, please, Holy Spirit, give me some examples of barriers and potential hindrances. And the Holy Spirit did not give me anything other than the fact that it is a case-by-case -case scenario. And it's not about the hindrances as much as it is your willingness to remove the hindrance when the Holy Spirit convicts you about it. For some, it's going to be being less vocal about your politics. For some, it might be doing this religious, unnecessary thing in a toned-down way. I don't know what it is. But when the Holy Spirit convicts you of a potential hindrance that is standing in the gap between you and lost people, you got to be willing to say this does not matter. And by the way, time out. A hindrance is never something that you have to stop doing so you cannot confront sin. Oh, wait. i got to pretend that like, I'm okay with this thing over here, this law or this dedicated month, I got to pretend like I'm okay with that. So it's not, no, 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 no. A hindrance that you should remove, it will never leave you or lead you to compromise the commands of God. So that's how you discern it right there. It's not going to cause you to compromise the biblical values and commands of the Lord, but it's unnecessary thing. Here it is. Holy Spirit, I just feel like he deposited this in my heart. It is minor things that you, make, that you are making the major things. 
It's, it's not spine issues, it's rib issues. You know what I mean by that? You can live without your rib. You can't live without your spine. There are rib opinions that often get in the way of spine issues. Let that just soak in. You go do a Bible study about that. I can't, I forgot. But then he goes from Timothy, removing the hindrance, and then all of a sudden the Bible says that they go, they go, they're going to start. They're going to start doing the ministry. They want to go west to this place known as Asia Minor, or Asia in this day and age. It wasn't modern day Asia, but it was ancient Asia. And as they began to take a step in that direction, they were, they had a, what I'm calling a Holy Spirit yank. You ever been Holy, you ever received the Holy Spirit yank? Okay, God, not there. That's fine. I'll go here. Nope. And they were yanked. They go north, they get yanked. They go south, they get yanked. They go west, they get yanked. They go east, they, east, they, go, they get yanked. And Paul's like, what are we supposed to do, Holy Spirit? And they find themselves in this city called Troas. And I wish I could preach more about this city. But what's interesting is that there's nothing significant about the city. But Paul sits down in this town. And the Bible doesn't tell us how long he was there. And if you went up to Paul, and by the way, he, we, we, if, if you went up to Paul while he was in the city and said, Paul, what's the next step for you? What's the next thing that God is calling you to do? What is the big vision that the Holy Spirit has given you for this next season? What is the next thing for your ministry? You know what Paul would have said? It's very spiritual. I don't know. Well, what's the future of the river? Like, what's it going to look like when Pastor Jen comes back? What's it going to look like when this? What's the future of the church? It's okay to be in a season of I don't know. As long as you're willing to wait on the voice of God to direct your next steps. The Bible says that as he finds himself in a season of no, I don't know, no, no. What do I do, God? I don't know. Not speak. The Bible says that he sits at Troas and the Holy Spirit finally gives him a go. You've got to write this down. This is so profound. What this teaches us is that God's no is equally important as God's go. God's no is equally important to God's no. Or better yet, God's no is equally as important to God's go. And you see, as followers of Jesus, of Jesus, our responsibility is not to be successful, but it's to be obedient. Friend, young adult, please allow this to sit into your ambitious type 3, Enneagram 3, Enneagram 8 mind or heart. Your call in this great life is not to be successful, but it is to be faithful to the voice and command of God. Obedience, sorry, success is obedience. <laughs> the outcome of your life is in the hands of the Lord. Work hard and walk in obedience and watch as God blows your mind. Is anyone in this church today can give God some praise that even his no, even seasons of I don't know, God can be doing something special. It's so profound because as Paul sits in this city called Troas, full of I don't knows, full of knows. The Bible says it's there that God gives him a dream of a Mesopotamian man. We don't know who the man is. And because he got that vision, you're here today. 
You see, up until this point, the gospel had not spread to Europe. And before the gospel ever spread to this part of the world, they had first to go through Europe. And because God, Paul was obedient, the gospel spread to us today. I wish I had more time to talk, but nevertheless, the Bible says that they finally get this vision to go into this city called, this region called Mesopotamia, modern-day Turkey. And the Bible says that as they go there, the first thing they do is they look for perhaps a location where they can worship Jesus and preach the gospel. They can worship in the Greek or, or in the Hebrew. They can worship Elohim, now Yeshua, who is Jesus, and at the same time, teach them about Jesus, the promised Messiah. He is there to convince people that the promised Messiah has arrived. And the Bible says that there was no synagogue in the area. This is profound. I can give you history for days, but literally no synagogues in the area. You know why? I'm just, I'm like a Bible geek today. Is it okay? Do you even care? Fine. The reason why is that there was not enough men to start a synagogue. So the Bible says that some women, scholars will tell us that you need more than 10 men to start a synagogue. More, more, more Torah-believing men to start a synagogue. But there wasn't enough spiritual men in the town. So these women got together next to a creek, next to a river. The Bible literally says a riverside. Because there they can have spiritual cleansing in the water. And there they prayed and they worshipped God. Paul hears about these, these, these revival women, you know, these hot, you know, like Pentecostal, like on fire for Jesus, you know, women. And Paul shows up and the Bible says that as he showed up, there was one woman who the Holy Spirit had opened up her heart. Her name was Lydia. And Paul is preaching about the fact that you are saved now through grace. By faith, through grace, not by works. You no longer have to do X, Y, and Z to attain salvation. But now if you place your faith in Jesus, if you repent and you turn towards Jesus, you will be saved. It's a lot more simple. And this woman receives it. Her name was Lydia. And all of hell trembled, I think, when Lydia received Jesus. You know why? Because the Bible says that she was a seller of purple cloth. Pretty profound because she would have been a modern-day Ralph Lauren. She was bougie. The only people that can afford purple cloth in that day and age, it was, it was, it was the blue-blooded blue, the blue people. It was, it was pre, uh, princes and kings and queens. It was a commodity to desire. And her city in particular had this purple dye, and she profited off of that. And we know that she was rich because she invited Paul, and she had a whole family. She, so perhaps she had a large house. She had money. She would have lived in Boca, East, East Boca. <laughs> Not west, where I live. Yeah, yeah, after the train tracks, yeah, for sure. Whatever. And the Bible says that Lydia, her heart is open to Jesus. She accepts him as her Lord and Savior. And you got to get this little thing. Her heart was open, so she opened her home. <laughs> after the Lord opens your heart, are you willing to open up your life to be used by him? The only reasonable response to the saving grace of Jesus is your entire life fully surrendered to him. 
opening up the door of your home, opening the door of your life and saying, Holy Spirit, have it all. Have my family, have my dreams, have my business, have my degree, have every breath in my lungs because I have been, I have been given the greatest gift of all. And the Bible says that then her and her, own, her entire family were saved. How beautiful is that? And Lydia became the first church in all of Europe. All because Paul was, one, willing to remove barriers. Two, he was willing to wait on a go, even in a season of no. And the Bible says that their revival starts to break out. Paul and Silas, they start preaching the gospel. It wasn't just Paul and Silas. It was Paul, Silas, Luke, the guy who wrote Acts in the book of Luke, and, and, and Timothy. And these guys are preaching Jesus like there was no tomorrow. And all these people are getting saved at the riverside. It's at the river. Ooh, come on, somebody. I just put that correlation together. Come on, somebody. It was beautiful. It was bursting through the seams. Everybody's coming to the river. It's, it's the thing, you know. And all of a sudden, this little slave girl starts to follow Paul and Silas. And the slave girl became like a marketing agency before Instagram. And she would walk behind them every single day and say, this is, these are the two men who serve the Lord. These are the two servants of the Most High God who have come to give you life. Literally, she's like giving them the best marketing. She's saying this. I'm going to read it to you. She says this. Where is it? It doesn't matter. I get it. 17? All right. I think I need glasses. I'm getting old. Oh, let me go back. There it is. 17. These are our men. These men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation every single day. That's some good marketing, right? The problem is this. God doesn't want to hire the devil to be his marketing agency. Because here's the thing. Oh, there's so much profound truth in this, and I hope the Holy Spirit reveals it to you. But the devil is the author of confusion. The the devil in this demon-possessed girl was professing one thing but was living out another thing. There was a disconnect between her profession and her walk. Is there a disconnect between your profession and your walk? Your confession, your, your profession of the gospel of Jesus in your walk? I'm not here to condemn you, but I'm actually here to give you some Holy Spirit awareness. And I hope that the conviction of the Holy Spirit is screaming in your heart. Friend, who is benefiting from your life? And the Bible says that one day Paul gets annoyed and he casts this demon out of her. And she no longer can produce gain to her owners. Now is when the story gets really gooder. I know gooder's not a word. Relax. I wasn't homeschooled. Bad joke. I have to stop doing that joke. But the Bible says that Paul and Silas get beaten naked. And the Bible says that they get thrown into the middle of the city. And Paul and Silas get beaten, whipped, stripped naked. And the Bible says that these two preachers, no guns on them. I mean, they weren't being, hurt. They weren't being like difficult or anything. But they get put literally in the top tier of security. They weren't in the first part of security. There was, in that day and age, in this jail, in this Roman cell, in this Roman, there was three levels. There was an airy jail place, there was a celled place, and there was a dungeon that was literally where the manure and the waste of the city flew, flew, uh, uh, went through. So Paul and Silas find themselves in the dungeon for preaching Jesus. And I love this because the Bible says that the reason why they were placed in the prison, it was because they were disturbing the city. 
But I am convinced that they were not disturbing a city, but they were disturbing the hell out of the city. And here's the thing that you got to understand about Church of All Nations, what you have to understand about this young adult ministry, that God did not place Pastor Boykin and his family, God did not place this church, God did not place this youth, this young adult ministry to simply pastor a church, but to pastor a city as followers of Jesus. The walls of the church have been extended to the surrounding area, and now it is your call to not just get people to church, but to get the church to Jesus, to disturb hell out of Boca Raton to disturb hell out of FAU, to disturb hell out of Lynn University. It is our responsibility as followers of Jesus to take this thing outside. The Holy Spirit convicted me as we were getting ready to plant our church. And I felt this deep thing in my heart that we weren't called to pastor a church. We were called to pastor a city alongside the other great churches in our area. It's our job to disturb the hell that is in our city out of our city. But the reality is that the devil won't get excited about that. Every time he has to lose ground, he throws a fit. <laughs> so the Bible says that Paul and Silas were thrown into prison. And now with the, I have nothing else on the clock. I'm going to give you four really quick applications from the rest of the story. And I want you to literally leave this door and apply it to your life. Are you ready for it? Are you taking notes? One. You want to be spiritually attractive in a spiritually desperate world? Choose joy. Choose joy. Choose joy. The Bible says that Paul and Silas literally were in prison, beaten blue and black. And in the midnight hour, Paul and Silas start praying and singing hymns. Now, you would think that the jailers would be upset. Like, go ahead, you tonight at midnight while everybody is sleeping in your house, just start praying and singing hymns out loud. It's going to be uncomfortable. Try it on Natasha tonight, all right, and see what happens, you know. But actually what happens is that the people start tuning in. And I guarantee you the, the, his cell neighbor was probably like, what in the world? These guys are praising their so-called God named Jesus. These guys are out here singing hymns. I am a champion. I don't know how it goes. You know what I'm saying, you know? And they're like, what in the world is happening next door? Come on, they should be weeping. They should be crying. They just got beaten blue and black. They are naked. There are rats crawling all around them. There is literally manure and human waste all over them. What are these guys singing about? Why are they so joyful next door? What is happening? The truth of the matter is they chose joy. Because here's the thing. What does joy have to do with praise and worship? You see, happiness has to do with happenings. And that's never guaranteed. But joy and true joy and joy to the fullest has to do with the person named Jesus. And that is consistent in whatever season of life you find yourself in. You can find joy in a hospital bedroom. I've seen it happen before with my baby boy was Three days old, four pounds and three ounces, gets diagnosed with bacterial meningitis. Literally 50% of survival. We get taken from Boca Regional to, to Joe DiMaggio. I find myself in the PICU full of newborn babies. And here is my preemie baby going through literally a deadly disease. And I find myself in a corner, Holy Spirit unction flowing through me, praising Jesus. What that means is that we can choose joy in the midst of unhappy seasons. 
And a spiritually searching world, a spiritually broken world needs to see spiritually attractive Christians choosing joy regardless of their circumstance because they understand that the goal of life is not happiness, but the goal of life is purpose that is found in Jesus Christ. Choose joy. You ought to be like Tigger. You know, anyone watch Winnie the Pooh? Tigger is like always happy. I'm not going to go there. I promise you, you can always find joy in every season. You just have to look at it at the right source. Look for it at the right source. Your joy comes from a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. And here's what you, you got to understand. The Bible says in Psalm 37 verse 23 that he directs the steps of a righteous. He directs your go. He directs your no. And if you find yourself in prison, it does not mean, or in a difficult circumstance, or in a challenging time, it doesn't always mean that you're not walking in the will of God. Paul was very much walking in the will of God and he found himself in uncomfortable circumstances. And still he chose to praise God. And I'm convinced that he was not praising God so that the prison doors can be flown open and the chains be broken. I know I preached this message the first time I preached it I was like let your praise be a problem be a problem for your problem come on you ought to worship and it was like this whole like ah the truth of the matter is I'm convinced that Paul wasn't praising so he can get out of prison I'm convinced that Paul would have been praising if he was in a castle eating filet mignon and drinking marinelli because as followers of Jesus it's our responsibility to not be circumstantial praisers is that even the right way of saying it don't allow your circumstance to affect your praise, but let your praise affect your circumstance in the name of Jesus. Say, man, you ought to praise God really quick. Choose joy today. Choose joy. You want to be spiritually attractive? Two, choose us. Choose us. Choose us. What do you mean by this? Well, the Bible says that as they were praying and singing hymns, it just happened to be that the presence of God so invaded this place that there was an earthquake and literally the shackles of every prisoner were unfastened. Doors flew open. And not just one of them got the blessing. Can I ask you a really tough question today? Right now, in this moment, if God answered every one of your prayers, what would change, your bank account or the world? What would change, your temporary challenging circumstance, which I am not undermining, I know it's challenging, or would it be the entire city? What would change? you see this is so powerful because the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 6 verse 10 this is the Lord's prayer I bet you you know this when Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray he said our Father who are in heaven hallowed be thy name your kingdom come your will be done on as it is in heaven give oh us or me give us our daily bread and lead us not into temptation and deliver from the evil one yours is the kingdom and the power you see jesus is teaching you to have this framework that is bigger than you that does not mean that you don't pray for your specific needs but you are so spiritually attractive that you are obsessed with praying for us you are obsessed with praying for your family you're obsessed with praying for your school you're obsessed with praying with your 
co-workers. You're obsessed with praying for your church. You're obsessed with praying for your city. You're obsessed with praying for the state of Florida. You're obsessed with praying for the United States instead of posting about the problems in the United States. And you're obsessed with praying for the world because God has given us as followers of Jesus supernatural connection to a supernatural heaven that can affect a natural world. You are priests in the kingdom of God. What that means is that you are a bridge between all that heaven has and all that earth needs. So come on, you want to be spiritually attractive? Be obsessed with choosing us over me. And watch as your, I bet you heard this before. Prayers don't always change your circumstances, but praise always change, prayer always changes you. And the more you pray for us, the more you're going to be willing to be an extension of the hands of Jesus and a reflection of the heart of God everywhere you go. Prayer not always changes your circumstance, but prayer always has the power to change you. Choose us. Three. One, choose joy. Two, choose. And three, choose to remain aware. Come on, girl. Make me sound spiritual. I don't mean to be obvious, but we live in such a hustle and bustle culture, right? Who has to-do lists? Some of you, not all of you. I wake up at 4.30 in the morning with a to-do list, with a punch list. I don't sleep well if I don't finish it. Especially as young adults and as life begins to come at you and Eventually, for those of you who are single, a significant other comes your direction and you start thinking of how am I going to pay for a wedding? How am I going to pay for this? And then you get married and you start thinking about kids. Well, how is that going to be possible? And what about a, a, a rent? What about a, 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 a mortgage? And you start getting so like, you know, consumed with the pressures and the hustle and bustle of life that you become unaware. Unaware of what? Well, the Bible says that Paul and Silas are praying. Earthquake happens. Shackles literally get undone. And I don't know why it was, but Paul didn't leave. And we'll talk about that in the next point. But the Bible says that it came a point where the jailer of the jail, knowing that if a prisoner escapes, that means that literally he's going to die the next morning or maybe in the afternoon withdraws his sword to commit suicide because he had come to the end of his rope. He was hopeless. Remain aware of what, Pastor? Of the fact that at any given moment you might be sitting next to somebody who's at the end of their rope. They might not necessarily get ready in the process of contemplating committing suicide, but in this day and age, maybe, but they might be at a state of giving up in the dip of their life and not walking in purpose, not looking for calling and just, boom, just going through the motions of life. As followers of Jesus, I pray that the Holy Spirit will give us a supernatural unction, a supernatural desire to remain aware of the potential fact that there could be people next to us around us that are at the end of their rope. Paul and Silas said, don't harm yourselves. 
know what it was, but they didn't leave. I don't know about you, but if I was unjustly put in a prison and the walls flew open, ciao. They stayed. They stayed. They stayed. I'm convinced that they didn't hear a go. My fourth point, if we're going to be spiritually attractive, we've got to be willing to stay in people's lives just a little bit longer. Can we stay a little bit longer in the lives of our friends that are broken? Can we stay a little bit longer? I know it's easier to just bail on people. It's easy just to to bail from the dysfunction, dysfunctional family, especially as a young adult. It's, le it's easy to leave your, your ratchet family and go live your own life. Some of you are smiling at me. Don't do that. No, it's easy just to leave. What if we stayed a little bit longer? Wait, you're a Christian and you're still here? Isn't your, doesn't your God have better for you? You're still in. I'm not telling you to put up with abuse. I'm not telling you to literally get sucked into a, 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 a generational pattern of dysfunction. I'm not telling you to do that. But be willing to stay a little bit longer as the Holy Spirit guides you and leads you. Because a spiritually searching world is desperate for a spiritually attractive church. I heard a story, and I'm sorry, I'm 14 minutes late. I'm not going to tell this story. I'm not, then you're never going to, never going to, what? What a good point. <laughs> no, nah, this story is good, but I heard a story of, uh, there is a national program called Alpha. You guys can check it out later. It's really profound. It's for people that are searching for answers. Usually these are people that are atheists, agnostic, don't go to church, and it's held at a church and it's around a great meal and they're encouraged to invite, Christians are encouraged to invite people that are questioning life. And this Alpha course made it to a church in Colorado in around 2012 and this, uh, this lady who, who was a wife heard about the course and she was really intrigued and she decided to persist that her husband would join the course because he was an atheist his heart was hard as a rock and he was convinced that there was no God and this guy his story he happened to be the first officer that entered a movie theater in 2012 after a mass dumb shooting that left a bunch of people dead I don't know if you remember this in 2012 it was the Dark Knight Batman Dark Knight premiere he was the first officer that had entered into the, into, the, into the movie theater. And he was helpless and they probably secured the scene and he just started coddling people that were dead. Coddling them, hopeless, calling 911, calling ambulances and he finds himself and he tells a story that in that moment, it was equivalent to a, a, a cement truck being poured in his heart. And he tells a story that one week later, one week later from this incident, he was breaking up a, dis, a sexual domestic violence case between a father and a son. And he tells a story that as he broke up this father from this kid, after he was sexually molesting him, the, the cement that was deposited in his heart a week ago was just hardened. How can there be a God? 
and his wife persistently, hey, I know you've been through a lot, but you gotta come to this alpha class. You gotta come to this alpha class. You gotta come. And he would come for 12 weeks straight, asking the hardest questions, challenging everything until the 12th week where all he was instructed to do was do this with his hands and say, regardless if you believe it or not, come Holy Spirit. And in that moment, he tells a story that the same manner that the cement truck poured cement in his heart, it was as if something in the supernatural realm poured a hot lava in his heart and melted his heart of stone and gave him a heart of flesh. And in that moment, he accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Why? Because some people were willing to stay a little bit longer. Isn't that what our Savior did on the cross? I can picture right now Jesus Christ hanging on that cross fully man yet fully God having the complete power to remove himself from the cross soldiers saying come on if you really are God why don't you save yourself from death and our Savior could have easily left the cross but he was willing to stay a little bit longer so that you and I can experience life and life to the fullest a spiritually searching world needs, so desperately needs a spiritually attractive church that is willing to choose joy, that is willing to be us-minded, that is willing to remain aware, ready in season and out of season to be the hands and feet of Jesus, and that is willing to stay a little bit longer. And let's see, church, let's see the river, what God can do through you. Holy Spirit, right now, can you close your eyes? We ask, God, that you'd begin to do something in us, that you'd give us a Holy Spirit awareness of the brokenness. Stand to your feet right now. The Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit awareness of the broken in our world. God, we so desperately need you individually and personally, but God, we know that you have saved us, redeemed us, called us, and you have given us a mission that is greater than an occupation, that is greater than anything on this world, in this earth that this world can give us. And God, right now, we ask, God, that you'd begin to stir up our hearts. Give us a heart for the broken, for the lost. I pray that revival will begin to break forth in us and that a result of revival breaking forth in us, it will break out of us and overflow into our great city. God, we are desperate for you right here, right now. The Holy Spirit, come and have your way. Jesus, have your way. Holy Spirit, breathe. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The River YA. All of our links to keep in touch are shown down below. We hope this blessed you, and we'll see you next time at The River. Come find life.